the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He is the bright and morning star. He is the subject of our time today on Abounding Grace. Join us, Pastor Gary Wagner, coming up next. At the heart of everything that takes place throughout the book of Revelation, everything that God reveals that will happen at the end of the age, in the beginning of a new age, it all centers around the morning star. And that is our focus today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Hi there. Welcome to our program. We return to Revelation chapter 22 today as we continue with our message called The Morning Star. Part two. Here's Pastor Gary with today's program of Abounding Grace. Luke thirteen three says, Without repentance, no one can be saved. So I took the time to explain the full gospel, and with her crying, she accepted Christ as her Savior and Lord. But you see, the problem is that so many believers do not tell the unbeliever about repentance until they are supposedly already saved. But there is no salvation without repentance. So here is a clear verse that again makes repentance the key to salvation. Now let me explain one thing here. Outside the city of God are the dogs and the sorcerers. The first meaning of sorcery in most Greek lexicons, refers to drug users. And it's not talking about medical drugs. It's talking about drugs used for pleasure or to escape God's reality. This is the first meaning of the word sorcerer, the illegitimate use of drugs. Now, what about dogs? That is a metaphor in the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 23, a dog was a male homosexual. That is God's word for homosexual males, dogs. God obviously has a very low view of them. No dog shall be inside the city. No impenitent homosexual who brandishes his homosexuality shall ever enter the city of God unless they repent of their homosexuality. Then in Philippians 3, Paul said a dog was a Judaizer of the first century who said you had to be circumcised and follow all of the ceremonial laws of Israel in order to become a Christian. In other words, salvation by works. He calls those who believe in salvation by Jewish ceremony and works dogs that maim and defile the gospel. And outside the holy city are all 
of these evil things. They cannot enter in. Then in verse 16, you have a final reminder of this triumphant Christ. And in this verse, Jesus says something about himself that he has not said about himself before. And he is describing himself in terms of one going forth to conquer. He is the victor, always conquering. The one riding the white horse. And now you have these precious words. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I, Jesus, don't forget that this great, triumphant, transcendent Christ is the humble Jesus of Nazareth. When you hear what, what German theologians and other liberals say today, they drive a wedge between Christ of the true faith and the Jesus of history. Those who preach the Christ of history say, the Christ of the true faith, with all of his miracles and redemption, was just made up by those who taught the Christ of faith. They said, there never was a person who was a miracle worker and redeemer who raised from the dead and who ascended to God's right hand. That's the line of the liberals, beloved. They say that was all made up by the church. So they drive a wedge between the Christ of faith and the Jesus of history. The Jesus of history was this just this Galilean wise man who was simply a loving man. But he was not supernatural and certainly was not God in any sense. But you see, that does not fit with this verse. I, Jesus, the all-conquering divine Christ, is the Jesus of history. I have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches, for I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. He's giving one last remembrance of his dominion. He is not only the offspring of David. That is, he is not only David's de the descendant and the fulfillment of prophecy, but he is David's root. He is not only human as the offspring of David. He is divine. He is the root, the origin of David, and the whole history of the covenant of Abraham and all of God's people. Jesus is claiming not only to be man, but he is also God. He says, I am not only the offspring of David, but I am the root of the origin of this great history that goes all the way back to Abraham and beyond. I am the bright morning star. And that is a symbol, beloved, of worldwide dominion. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Here is one more final summons to enter the holy city and to enjoy victory through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what theology there is here. 
The Spirit says, come. That is the Holy Spirit of God. His work in this world today is to call people to come into the holy city and place themselves under Christ's dominion. But is that the way people present the gospel today? No, they just say, ask Jesus into your heart and you won't be lonely anymore. And if you are faithful, God will give you abundant blessings. That is not the call of the gospel here. What is the call of the Holy Spirit? Come into the city. Outside of the city is darkness and death and dogs and all the rest. Enter the city by faith and repentance. Come into the city and place yourself under the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, that is the Holy Spirit's role in this world. And it is also the role of the church, the bride of Christ in this world. What is the bride of Christ? It's the church. And they're supposed to be saying to this world the same thing that the Holy Spirit is saying. We are supposed to tell everyone out there in this dark, dead, doggish culture, leave your darkness. Come into the city by faith and place yourself under the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Now when the Holy Spirit combines His call with our call, people actually come into the city. In theology, we talk about the difference between the general call of the gospel and the special call of God. The general call of the gospel originates with us. Christians, the church. And we issue that call, that invitation, to ever, whoever we find out in the world. To whoever is out there. We call them to leave the darkness and come into the city and put themselves under the dominion of Christ and His victory. And that call can be refused and resisted. In fact, most of the time in my life, and maybe in yours, when I have called people to come to Christ and leave their sin, they don't. Most of the time, they refuse and resist. But when do they not resist? Well, when the Holy Spirit calls the elect to leave their darkness and come into the city and put themselves under the dominion of Christ... He calls them with such irresistible might that they must come. All the powers of hell cannot keep them from coming. They will come to Christ and surrender themselves to Him. You can be assured of that, beloved. That is when our preaching and our testifying and our evangelism become effective. When we faithfully present the gospel. And when the bride says, come, then through our feeble words, the Holy Spirit speaks His powerful word. And when the Holy Spirit says to His elect, through our witnessing, come to Christ, come into the city, they will come. They must come. And no one can keep them from coming. I love the conclusion 
of a sermon Charles Spurgeon preached on effectual calling, on that special call of God. That's what effectual calling is. He said, now I've been presenting the gospel to you, and I've been looking out at this audience as I've been saying, come to Christ, come to Christ, come to Christ. And there are some of you out there in your heart and rebellion against God saying, I will not, I will not, I will not. Spurgeon said, I tell you, when the Holy Spirit of God calls you to follow Christ, yes, you will. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. So here you have this great conclusion. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Whoever hears the gospel of Christ with believing ears is to say to others, the moment they start hearing, come to Christ. Leave your darkness. Come into the city of God by faith. Put yourself under the dominion of Christ. Beloved, you're not to wait until you become a seasoned Christian. You're not to wait until you become supposedly a mature Christian. Everyone who hears the gospel and believes is at that very moment to call other people to come to Christ just as they have. And notice how free the gospel is. And let the one who is thirsty come. Not let the one who is righteous. Not let the one who is good. Not let the one who is theologically astute. Not let the one who is baptized. It is let the one who is thirsty come. That's the only qualification. Are you thirsty for Christ? Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Freely. Whoever wants it. Whoever wishes you and I and other Calvinists sometimes have a problem with the free offering the gospel because we can't tie up all the loose ends nice and neatly. But you and I are to look everyone in the face. Anyone we see and say, come. If we could line up the entire human race one at a time, we could look at them, each one, as we come to them and we would say, Ma'am, sir, I do not know what you have done in your life. I do not know how you have lived. But I tell you now, with the authority of God, that whoever wants this water of life, Jesus will freely give to him. And if you will drink of this water, by faith you will enter, having left your darkness and submitted yourself to the dominion of Christ. Whoever wants this water may have it. If you want the water of life, it is yours. No matter what you have done in your life. And that is the way we need to do evangelism. Being free and open-handed. And sincere and honest in the presentation of the gospel. As Jesus is here. So now we come to the conclusion of the book. And it concludes with these words. I, test I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. 
And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. Now, do you know what we have in verses 18 and 19? Those are not the last verses of the book, only the last verses of the book of Revelation. They are the last verses of the Bible. Those are the last verses of an organic, unified revelation that has been unfolding since the very beginning of the human race when God established the covenant of works with Adam. And as that great revelation proceeded and unfolded and opened up and blossomed throughout history, it has been one revelation, an organic, united revelation that now comes to a conclusion in the book of Revelation. So Revelation 22 verses 18 and 19 are not only the last verses of the book of Revelation, they are the last verses, the conclusion of this organic revelation that has gone all the way back to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Christ, and the Apostle. Now, why do I say this? Well, turn with me to Deuteronomy 4. Here's a very similar phrase. First of all, I'm going to go back to Revelation 22 because I want you to see there is a similarity and a dissimilarity between Revelation 22 and Deuteronomy 4. So keep your finger there in Deuteronomy 4, and I'll read the verses 18 and 19 of Revelation 22 again. It says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of the book, this prophet, of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life, from the holy city, which are written in this book. Notice the similarities and dissimilarities in Deuteronomy 4.1. And O Israel, listen to the statutes of the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Now, both of them talking about not adding or taking away something. So there is a similarity. Don't add to or take away something. But the dissimilarity is that Revelation 22, 18, and 19 uses word in the plural, words. And Deuteronomy 4, 2 uses word in the singular. Now, that's not just a little difference. It's a big difference. Deuteronomy 4, God says through Moses to the people of God, don't add to my message. Don't mix any human opinion with my message. Don't add to the word of God. Don't add to, don't take away from this word. Now, you know what's an interesting thing about Deuteronomy 4.2? Deuteronomy is only the fifth book of the Bible. There are 61 more books to go. So did the next 61 books add to the word of God? 
61 books that follow break the commandment of Deuteronomy 4 2, uh, Deuteronomy 4? No, the next 61 books were not an addition to the Word of God. They were the continuation of the Word of God. The authors of the Bible that followed Deuteronomy weren't adding their own opinions to the Word. It was the continuation of the Word. It was God speaking His own message to His selected men. Now we come to the book of Revelation. And God says, there are no more words of this message. I told you everything I want you to know. I don't have anything else to tell you until Jesus comes. This message is complete. The word now of these 66 books is completed. And there are no more words to the word. I have finished the message. Now think about that for just a minute. What if Jesus doesn't come for another 100,000 years? There is that possibility. Do you know if he doesn't come for another 1,000 years, these 66 books of the Bible will still be sufficient. And we don't need anything else to be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Beloved, that's how perfect the Bible is. God says... I don't have any more to say to you until Jesus comes. And then I have a lot more things to say. More light to break forth from the mind of God. But now the words have stopped. And what that means is those who come to you and say, we believe that verbal revelation continues and we have a word of God for you. You are to sweetly and humbly say, no, thank you. I don't need any word from you because I have all the word I need in the 66 books of the Bible. And after all, God did say that there were no more words to this message. And if you add to these words or you take away from these words, God will bring the curses of this entire book on your life. So we talk about in Reformed circles the completion of the divine revelation. That verbal revelation has been completed and everything God wants us to know is contained in the words of the 66 books of Holy Scripture. And that brings us to the absolute ending. He who testifies to these things, that is Jesus, says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord, quickly. Remember, when anything is written in the present tense in Greek, it denotes continuous action. And that, one, that is one of the themes of this book. Remember what Jesus' name is throughout Scripture. It is the coming one, the one who is always coming, who comes thousands of times into history. Ever since he came to Jerusalem in 70 A.D. and destroyed it, he comes countless numbers of times into history to destroy his enemies and rescue and exalt his people. He shall keep on coming until his last physical coming when he comes to wrap up everything he has started. And beloved, those who 
working against you and the church today, they will be destroyed. You can count on it. And he says, yes, I am coming quickly. And what is the response of the church? Amen. Keep on coming, Lord Jesus. Present tense. Keep on coming, Lord Jesus. Keep on intervening in the history to destroy your enemies and exalt your church until you come one last time and bring everything into perfection. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all, John says. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, for the book of Revelation. Help us to be diligent students and believers of it who obey it in our lives and face the present and the future in its light. It is the sincere desire of our hearts that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. O Jesus, keep on coming and exalt your church and destroy those who today are striving to subjugate your people and oppose your church. We pray these things. In your blessed name, amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. <music>